the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Welcome to the Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. And uh, today is a continuation of our series on Messiah. First, we talked about his purpose, then looked at what we believe about Yeshua for three weeks. Then we talked about how to become more like him. And then last week, we talked about joining Messiah's remnant. And today, our topic is called Following the Laws of Messiah. What are the laws of Messiah? Stay tuned, but let's pray first. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we love you and praise you and honor you. Lord, what a joy it is to follow your laws, your precepts, your instruction. Lord, even your scripture says it's not burdensome. And so, Father, we ask now in the name of Yeshua that you would anoint this broadcast as we talk about difficult subjects sometimes. We want uh, hearts to be open and ready to hear your good news. So, Father, we bless you, we praise you, and we pray that these are your words, your thoughts, your heart, as we bless you in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. So, if this radio program ministers to you, please consider helping us financially. I'm sure you realize that everybody is struggling a bit with this uh, COVID virus. Uh, if you are willing to help us out, uh, please call Karen at 813-831-5673 or go to our website, heartofmessiah.org. We appreciate your financial involvement and certainly appreciate your prayerful involvement. Certainly need plenty of prayer these days, more than ever before, right? <laughs> Also, we'd love for you to visit one of our congregations. We are open. We are uh, currently open in Tampa and St. Pete and Wesley Chapel, and our Spanish congregation, uh, Conexion, is uh, open as well. Please check our website for times and locations, or again, you can call Karen. Make it easy, 813-831-5673. So, 
you know, in this topic, uh, we could say the law of Messiah is to love God and love your neighbor, right? And we would get that from Matthew 22, 34. You remember the story. It starts, but the Pharisees, when they heard that Yeshua had silenced the Sadducees, gathered together in one place and testing him. One of them, a lawyer, asked, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the Torah? And he said to him, You shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The entire Torah and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That certainly is truth. However, let's look a little deeper into the whole idea of the law and what it is and what's its purpose. And uh, for that, we'll start with the New Covenant, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeshua is the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. So you could say that the law of Messiah is all of Scripture, from Genesis through Revelation. Now, you might not like that, but let's, let's change the concept here a little by looking at the word Torah, which is the Hebrew, usually translated as law. It's used 220 times in the Tanakh, Tanakh being the Hebrew Scriptures. More specifically, Torah means teaching or instruction. Now, you are, maybe you're more comfortable with that thought of the teaching of Messiah is all of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation or the instruction. He is the Word made flesh. So, in, in modern day thinking, what, what is the law? Well, the Torah usually refers to the first five books of Moses. On occasion, Torah can refer to the entire Hebrew Scriptures, or it could also refer to the Ten Commandments, or be describing the laws of Moses. Now, biblical law or teaching, uh, teachings often refers to 613 laws in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the, in, in the Tanakh, or in the Torah. Now, if you like, we can email you a copy of those 613 laws. Uh, it would be an email, so uh, and and it's kind of interesting to look at uh, at with the which scriptures they come from. And uh, Maimonides, uh, born in 1138, a Torah scholar. His list of these laws is referred to most of the time. There are always differences between scholars, right? However, Maimonides' list seems to have the most respect, okay? Uh, but you know what? I'm not going to use the word law in some of these descriptions. I'm going to use the word instruction. So when you hear me say there are three types of instructions, understand the traditionists, traditionalists, would say that there are three types of laws, okay? There's ceremonial instruction, which includes worship. These instructions seem to focus on God. They include instructions on, like, regaining right standing before God, including things like sacrifices or atonement. 
and uh, remembrances of God's work in Israel in his appointed times, and specific regulations meant to distinguish Israelites from their pagan neighbors, like dietary restrictions, we call them kosher laws, or kosher instructions, right? And, and signs that point to the coming Messiah, like the redemption of the firstborn. So all of these are ceremonial in nature. Then we have what is called the moral instructions, and they relate to justice and judgment. They're based on God's holy nature. Their purpose is to promote welfare of those who follow the instructions and see them as unchanging. They include regulations on justice and respect and sexual conduct and, and, and the Ten Commandments. It also explains penalties for failure to obey. So thus, that's why the word law is used. However, every day you make many choices, and they all have consequences. That's why it's important to have really a teachable spirit, because some things even that aren't said are laws need to be followed, right? So finally, the third... Uh, is the civil instruction is a category, and this category is kind of interesting. It's mentioned more by Christians, actually, than by Jewish people. You see, the thought that these instructions were specifically given for the culture and the place of the Israelites and encompass all of the moral instructions except the Ten Commandments. So... This includes everything from murder to restitution for a man gored by an ox and the responsibility of the man who dug a pit to rescue his neighbor's trapped donkey, which you'd find in Exodus 21, 12 through 36. See, since the Jews saw no difference between their God-ordained morality and their cultural responsibilities, that's why there's a difference between the Christian and Jewish thought. I personally see civil instructions as instructions to be applied to our lives, even if the literal example does not seem to apply. But Exodus 24:12 is interesting. It says, Then Adonai said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the Torah. Now, the Torah, meaning the law or the direction or the instruction. And then it says, and the mitzvot, mitzvot is Hebrew for commandments, which I have written so that you may instruct, which is yada, so that you may instruct them. Okay, so these are for instruction. The New Covenant has those kinds of instructions where the Jewish disciples applied the understanding from the Hebrew Scriptures. So let's look at something like um, Deuteronomy 25.4, where it talks about do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out grain. And Paul derives a principle that workers ought to be rewarded for their labors and applies that principle in the case of believing workers. So we see that in 1 Corinthians 9, 9 through 14. We also see it in 1 
Timothy 5.18, where it says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the worker is worthy of his wage. And then Paul again quotes Deuteronomy 25.4, this time in parallel with a saying of Yeshua uh, in Matthew 10.10. It says, The worker is entitled to his food, as if both are equally authoritative. So, one of the principles we find in Scripture is that the truth is established by two or three witnesses. So, Deuteronomy 29, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 19.15 says, A single witness shall not rise up against a person for any offense or sin that he commits. By the word of two or three witnesses is a case to be established. Now, funny enough, we see a similar scripture in 2 Corinthians 13.1. This is the third time I am coming to you. By the testimony of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So what I'm trying to say here is that it's really hard to separate the law or what we call the law or instruction in the Hebrew Scriptures from the New Covenant and the direction and the instruction that is given there. Um, though many groups try to separate these things, I, I really think that we have to see this as all God's Word and we have to try and, and discern what God is saying through every part of it. Now, when we think of laws, we think, obviously, of the Ten Commandments. And it's kind of interesting because the first commandment is really doesn't seem like a law. It's more of a statement. And it's, I am Adonai, your God. Okay? So that's the first commandment, so, so to speak. But then the others say exactly what you should or should not understand. So I guess in that sense, the first law is, I am Adonai, your God. You should understand that God is God. There is no, no one else. So, but in, in the second one, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself a graven image. Three, you must not take the name of Adonai, your God, in vain. That's an interesting one we can talk about a lot some other time, because... In a sense, God doesn't even give us his name. But uh, in certain places he kind of does. But I, I think certainly uh, it's interesting that if we look at the English of Yeshua, which is Jesus, probably the greatest word in the English language for cursing is to use the name Jesus, right? People say Jesus Christ, and they say it in in a in a in an angry manner. And here, this is the third commandment: to not take the name of Adonai your God in vain. There's an irony here of all the different things people could say, right? They say the very thing that God says not to do. Amazing. Uh, number four, remember Yom Shabbat, the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And there again, the very thing God says to do, we often ignore. Honor your father and mo your mother. And we know there's uh, even the part where it says, and you'll live a long life. Uh, 
that that promise. But but again, we are not seeing that the majority. Well, maybe the majority do. I'm not really sure, but certainly many people don't. And what we're seeing lately. Uh, more of is these murders do not murder, do not commit adultery, which people do, obviously, do not steal, which people do, do not bear false witness against your neighbor, which people do, do not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife. I mean, when you look at these commandments, uh, poor the Lord <laughs> wrote them in vain, right? Because they're not really being followed, so maybe that's why people say we're, we don't want to be under the law. But when God's instructions were transgressed, the relationship between God and Israel was hurt, and God punished Israel for their sins. Scripture presents sin as so horrendous that it merits death, and we see that in Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sins, he will die. And God's instructions are a guide for living as believers. The believer through the Spirit keeps the righteous requirements of, of God's instructions, following the principle of love, which is the fulfillment of the law. And we see this in a great scripture, Romans 8, 3 and 4. For what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh, God has done. So, you get that first part. The, the, the law was impossible. It was weakened because we are fleshly people. But he has taken that into account, so he has done the work. So what is the work? He sent his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Ruach, in other words, according to the Spirit. So I believe this verse is easier to understand when you translate Torah as instructions rather than law. Give it some thought. I realize some of what I'm saying is, is not what you normally hear. Now, man does not store up merit. So let's get this one over with, right, before God, by keeping these instructions, these laws, these commandments, in order to receive God's salvation. No, God's salvation is a free gift. Everybody heard me? <laughs> Please hear me. Romans 6.23, for sin's payment is death, but God's gracious gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. And Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And Galatians 3.11 it is clear that no one is set right before God by Torah, for the righteous shall live by emunah, emunah meaning faith. So we see very clearly, and I just want to repeat it again, because so often this is a question for Messianic Jewish believers. Do you believe that God's salvation is a free gift? Everybody now answer yes. Okay, good. 
<laughs> many biblical instructions are given to us without details. This is an interesting thought, so think about this. For example, work is prohibited on the Sabbath, yet work is never defined, right? So God says don't work on certain days, and like the Sabbath, but he doesn't tell you what work is, okay? So this vagueness, which potentially gives flexibility, was considered a problem by the rabbis, and in order to make sure a command was not violated, they created secondary rules, which would prevent a person from violating the biblical commandment itself. This is known as putting a fence around the Torah, or around the law, or around the instruction. These non-biblical rules are found in the Talmud, which is an extra uh, writings, uh, not in Scripture. And an example of that is if you believe Scripture says that you should not mix milk and meat as part of the kosher uh, rulings, uh, putting the fence around that would include having separate dishes. Maybe you know Jewish people who have separate dishes for meat and milk, or even a separate refrigerator or dishwasher. So there'd be no possibility of breaking the perceived law. Another example that would be um, that you can't work on the Sabbath. I mentioned that. So in Israel, elevators stop at every floor, so you don't have to push the button for the floor you want to stop at, because that would be considered work. Or some Orthodox Jews ask a non-Jew to turn off uh, a light or push a button on an elevator uh, during Shabbat so that they don't have to do that. Um, these are examples of putting a fence around the Torah. I believe this, tradi this traditional kind of understanding is contrary, is opposite the spirit of biblical instruction. But when you understand it is as law, you find ways to not come close to breaking it. And Yeshua addressed this situation in Matthew 15, 3. He said, and answering, he said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And in Matthew 23, 4 and 5, he says, They tie up heavy loads, hard to carry, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. All their works they do to be noticed by men. They make their tefillin wide and their tzitziot long. Now, tefillin is the strap that is used, put on the forearm, uh, and the small black leather box containing the scrolls of parchment inscribed with verses from the Torah. And tefillin is worn by observant uh, adult Jews during their weekday morning prayers. Now, but, you know, if we're going to look at uh, laws, then we have to look at the New Covenant laws, which, I mean, obviously Yeshua commanded to love God, love your neighbor, and share your faith uh, in Yeshua. So those are commandments. In fact, there are more laws in the New Covenant than there are actually 
in the Hebrew Scriptures. But you know what? I can't believe we've run out of time already. So call our office if you would like to uh, get the 613 laws. Uh, or for any questions about services, call Karen at 813-831-5673. I pray that this program ministers to you, and we'd love you to uh, give us a one-time gift or a pledge, again, call Karen, and also visit our congregation. So we will continue this teaching and answer a number of questions next week. I pray right now that the Lord would be your first priority, and may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. I pray that God would illuminate the scriptures to you this week and give you joy and peace and love so that you can bring all of that to a dark and dying generation. I pray this all in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. 